This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. Welcome. This is My Favorite Murder. The podcast. That's Karen Kilgara. And that's Georgia Hardstar. That's right. It's raining today. Oh, you should see it in Los Angeles, everybody, <laughs> and the rest of the, all of the world. Yeah. There's people right now in Stockholm, Sweden. Are they okay? Wait, is it Sweden? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I don't trust I, anything that comes out of my mouth. 100%. Ever. I'm going to go with 100%. But I'm also constantly talking. <laughs> Is kind of the, so half of it's going to be fucking wrong. Yeah. Just like with the, I know math really well. Half, <laughs> half is always wrong. Half. And then with me, you can add another 45% right. on top of that. You know, you know, places I know math together. Ding dong. We're fucking Steve Jobs. 25% is the same as a <laughs> hundred. Let's not dwell on the past. Look, in the future, we're going to be, we're going to be so accurate that this podcast won't be good. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't... Boring. It, no one's asking us to tighten up our game. No. Because who wants that? Speaking of, what do we now call... What do we call... <laughs> Speaking of, it's time for Corrections exactly. Corner. Exactly. <laughs> what do we call a correction of a Corrections? Corrections, um, Corrections Corner? Corrections Squared. It's Dude, Corrections Squared. that was amazing. Thank you. I've done it for a living. <laughs> so, Lizzie and for me, last way I, corre- <laughs> I corrected myself of uh, the Tada list, which everyone's sick of. No one needs to hear it anymore. Oh, right. Okay. But it's my favorite. I love it. It's a Tada list. Mm-hmm. Don't just write a to-do list. Write a fucking Tada list of shit you've accomplished today in your life. You know, whatever. The positive yeah. uh, lens that you look at things exactly. through. Exactly. Totally. Positivity. We love it. Positivity. Originally, I fucking said Gail King did it. <laughs> The following, when I corrected it, I said someone else did it. Okay. I was incorrect. Oh, oh okay. Lizzie wrote, Georgia, sorry, you're wrong about that. <laughs> uh, Julia Cameron is oh. the person who did the Chita list, and she's an author who wrote The Artist's Way, which oh. Lizzie is obsessed with. Yes, she is. Lizzie Cooperman, our good comedy friend. Our good, our good Not I thought just, you were going to say our good buddy, which would be so odd. <laughs> <laughs> but Lizzie Cooperman literally does morning pages still to this day every yeah. morning. Yeah, The Artist's Way. You Julia know what? Cameron. Read it. Sorry, that was, I just interrupted you four times. Please. In one moment. I just remembered my mom gave me the artist's no way. way when I moved to LA. Huh. I've, I've taken it with me every time I've moved. Ah. It's just one of those books that's always in the thing and I've never read it and I'm going to. Do it. Was she the kind of mom, this is what my mom is like, who will write something in the big, like sign it, like she wrote it? Yes. Are you going to cry? I just remember that. I bet you if I open it, she's oh. going to have said something really inspirational. Oh my God. <laughs> will you please Good let point. us know? Yes, I'll bring it in. Okay. But also, my mom was real big into cards yeah she would send you a card for no reason did she it would just be like dad and i went down to um you know the blah 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 last night miss you hope you're doing good and she also if you needed a card she would always go 
well, do you have a card? And we'd be like, no. Like, you're supposed to have a card for this fucking occasion. For everything. And she'd go upstairs and <gasps> have a, her choice of like 40 cards. There's a thank you. There's a this. There's a, I tried to be that person for a while, but it's really hard. So yeah. I just got blank cards and now I have them. Well, those are good because yeah. what she d- would do is I think she started folding into her like things I have to do today. One of the things would be like stand in the CVS or the Long's Drugs in Petaluma and just read some funny cards and buy them if she felt like That's it. That's adorable. Yeah, she was pretty good about that. Yeah. That's such a mom thing. I know. I'll never have it. I hate <laughs> cards so much. Maybe it's because my mom would just sign her name yeah. to some fucking card. And then she'd be like, did you read it? I'm like, well, you didn't fucking write it. Why would I read it? Um, moms. Mo- ugh, fucking mom. Okay. So I have corrections corner. Right. You've corrected a correction. Yeah. Um, Squared. I have. I would like to turn this into apology corner. Great. Because when we were talking about Olivia Coleman last week, you said, oh, she was on that Mitchell and Webb look, which is a sketch show uh-huh. that the guys from Peep Show did before they did Peep Show. Uh-huh. And I said, no, she wasn't in that voice. You did? Well, I just said no. Or I was like, oh, she was in Peep Show. Well, I didn't want, I've seen two sketches from <laughs> the, that Mitchell and Webb look, um, Number Wang and the one where Number David- Wang is so good. <laughs> it's the best going. YouTube and look up Number Wang and just watch it. the best game show of all time. And then the Nazi sketch where David Mitchell plays a head Nazi that goes, are we the baddies? He realizes (laughs) that Nazis are bad as a Nazi. It's amazing. So she was on it and a bunch of people were like, Karen, you said no to Georgia, but she was right. So you were right. Okay. I never even knew I was told I was wrong, (laughs) but I love this feeling. I negated you. Um, So I thought because Olivia Coleman, we love her so much. We've loved her for a long time. I thought it might be fun if we also had Olivia Coleman corner. And Great. we just went over just very lightly, some just so we know about do Olivia. Do you have Coleman. her IMDB there? Yeah, I sure do. I mean it's even printed. <laughs> oh my God. Let's fucking get into Olivia Coleman. Let's make her be our best friend. Please. You know our best friend Olivia Coleman. I mean, if anybody deserves to have a corner anywhere. It's Olivia Coleman. She has been a journeyman actress for comedically and dramatically, which not very few people can do. The things she does on Broadchurch and the things she does on Peep Show are, it's the one woman and yet she's doing the full range. And she had the fucking wherewithal and foresight to wear a fucking dress to the Oscars. Yes, that's right. With pockets in it. Yeah, she had pockets. Her fucking gown had pockets, She had pockets. She's one of us, one of us, one of us. Let's do it. She hates us. (laughs) Sari, we can take out that. Oh, which part? When I just said Sari, which is not a fucking word or name. Please don't take that out. <laughs> Do not remove that. It's getting. It's already. It's getting drunk in here. It's getting oh, wait, oh, jiggy me? and we're literally four minutes in. Okay. Sarah <laughs> Caroline Olivia Coleman. Great. Born January 30th. Uh, 1974, is an English actress, recipient of several awards, including an Academy Award. So that's this has been very recently mm. updated. They're on it. Four BAFTA Awards, two Golden Globe Awards, and the Volpe Cup for Best Actress. That's not a real thing. Yeah, that's given out at the Petaluma restaurant Volpe's. <laughs> and they it's a cup of Jameson's whiskey that they give you for being a good actress. I want to win it. That's my goal in life. Now. I've won it so many times. The, uh, she was a graduate of the Bristol Old Vic Theater School, mm. came to prominence for her work in television, um, her breakthrough as so- Sophie Chapman on the... Channel 4 comedy series Peep Show, mm-hmm. which went from, tw- I didn't know this, 2003 to 2015. That, was, that show was on for fucking Dude, 12 you guys years. guys watch it. It's great. Oh, it's so good. She was also on the show Green Wing, 
um, which my friend Michelle Gomez was on and oh. is hilarious on. Green Wing is a great um, British comedy series. We're offering you all these good shows. Beautiful people. Rev. I just recently rented Rev or got it or whatever. It's so good. And it's the guy. It's Olivia Coleman as the wife and the husband who plays the reverend. He's like just like oh, a reverend it. of a church. Rev. Not like revving up your motorcycle. Kind of the opposite. Okay. Actually. It's rev down. Down and your coolness. It's the guy that plays the um, like priest cousin in Pride and Prejudice who comes and is he's the, my favorite one of my favorite British actors he's so good he's basically like a male Olivia Coleman really she's won BAFTAs uh, for best comedy performance she's fucking oh and and then of course she won for Broadchurch um, BAFTA for best actress in Broadchurch which is a fucking straight up You're love heavy drama true crime right true crime she got a, a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress for The Night Manager in 2016. Mm-mm. That's uh, Bill Nye, I believe. Why would what? I? Why would I even? All right, so we'll have an Olivia okay. Coleman corner, but that'll just kick us off. Facts. If you don't know her, get to fucking know. No, Olivia you do. Coleman. She's our new mascot for my favorite murder. <laughs> Congratulations. Mascot might be slightly constant. <laughs> it is. You're right. She's our new leader. She is our. She is our leader. She's our CEO. She's our patron saint. That's right. Um. I have a question. Yes. Did you watch Leaving Neverland? No. Don't do it. Don't do it? Do it. It's terrible. Do okay. it. Okay. It was one of those things where Vince and I were like so excited to go watch it. We got home or started watching it and he goes, I don't want to watch this anymore like halfway through because it's terrible. So depressing. And I was like, me too. This is horrible. And <laughs> snuck back up uh-huh. later. <laughs> Pretended I was a normal human being and didn't like to hear the most fucked up things you've ever heard in your life. I mean, I will definitely watch it because um, I made the whole writer's room at Baskets one day um, <laughs> look through all the uh, police pictures that when they went into Neverland of those mannequins I don't and all those. the weird there's the weird shit in his house I was like hey has anyone ever seen this Ooh. and then we're just going through and there's it's just locks, a house filled like with eight locks on each door horrifying the, the show is fascinating incredible it's awful and yeah. I just feel for these two men with all my heart oh, wait no is it a Netflix documentary do you know it's a documentary I think Netflix bought it okay. and so it's a two-part documentary no okay. wait HBO now there we go HBO now there Good. or where HBO whenever or or wherever you find your Michael Jackson documentary here's here's my next one um because the fish I was talking about uh on the last episode was the red hand fish mm-hmm. I actually interacted with se- several people on Twitter about it because people go is this the fish and they were all excited is it this salamander is it this whatever and I finally had to look it up it was hard to find um it's called the red hand fish is the one that I saw at the um aquarium that I was at you but tripped balls on because it had hands <laughs> it was holding. arms but then people started sending me a meme and there is a meme out there of this exact fish so yes all the people that sent me the meme going is this a fish mm-hmm. yes you're right it's the it's the fish holding uh, its arms out between uh-huh. the two rocks and then the meme and just up on top it just says excuse me rocks oh my god <laughs> and it's fucking hilarious and yes that is the fish I know it is the red hand fish that's what I looked it up as yeah. could have a, a 
more official name because well, the one in the meme is yellow. Oh my god! Isn't that? But isn't that the it's weirdest disturbing. thing? Stephen showing us a photo of him. He's disturbing me. Excuse me, rocks. Um. So yes, this is the fish we were talking about last time. Everyone's <laughs> I need right. To get back on Twitter because, as far as I know, I don't ever do anything wrong. Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, maybe one person will comment something other than yeah. You got to jump on Twitter and just people let you know. Yeah. I actually responded to that Olivia Coleman because. The Olivia Coleman message that she was actually on that Mitchell on Web look came in, I would say at like 7.30 a.m. And then I just, I wrote back, wow, the corrections corner's starting early on this one. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta know. Yeah, you gotta know. We gotta be told. We like it. We do. Also, uh, just... I am so behind on my true crime TV. There's people who constantly are like, have you seen Finding Neverland? Have you seen whatever these shows are that come out? And I'm, I would say I'm five behind. God, which ones are there that we need to watch? I mean, oh, dude, there's one. Yes. What were you going to say? No, I, I mean, the, the list goes on. It's like all the ones everyone's already talked about. Basically. This one where this girl gets kidnapped by her neighbor. Yes. It is the most fucked up fucking show I've ever seen. What is it called? Hold on. Abducted in plain sight. Yes. Abducted in plain sight, yes. Stephen. I think you actually told me about it. Yeah, I text. I think I was one of those. Are you watching this right now? I'm freaking the fuck out because yes. I was alone. Yes. And I just figured that you'd happen to put it on the exact same Friday night <laughs> that I was alone at home drinking white wine. You should have. We should have done that. Sometimes it happens. Yeah, it does happen. I just didn't know how fucked up it would be. And it, listen, there's aliens. It's just so... <laughs> it's similar to finding... Leaving Neverland because it's like, why didn't the parents do anything? Right. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, I have listened to people talk about this and quietly smiled and nodded my head because I haven't watched yeah, it. Yeah. And every time I go to watch anything, all I want to do is watch The Sopranos. I'm almost through the rest <laughs> oh, of I get it. season six. Like, I don't want to waste my time on this thing. I don't want to go to... I'm in this kind of like weird mafia yeah. violence yet philosophical ennui. I don't want to go into child molestation. Yeah. I mean... It's very... <laughs> Triggering and troubling. And awful. And awful. It's what we all pay attention to. I mean, it's just fucked up and it's cautionary. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, a lot. lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's people need to know this is how it happens. Right. They need to know. They right. should know. All right. Speaking of true crime. Speaking of true crime, Olivia Coleman, <laughs> her alma mater is Homerton College in Cambridge. I was hoping you get to that one. <laughs> I was hoping you get to that. Everyone at home was like, come on. We all have a Olivia Coleman bingo that we're playing. Is she going to say what college she went to? Talk about her first college, not just her theater school. That's right. What'd she do in 2017? (laughs) We want to know. Pockets, pockets, pockets. I need that (laughs) B-I-N-G-O. That that O-C-B-I-N-G-O. That's right. With pockets. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. 
Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. You're first, right? Am I? Yeah. Steven says yes. Now I can't re- Oh, <laughs> I can't remember who told me to do this. Uh-oh. This came through a conversation I was having. I don't think it was a listener on Twitter or anything, but mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, I have, Next week. I have the blind faith that someone will let me know. <laughs> Got hope. I hope to God. Um, but when it uh, was suggested by whoever, I feel like it was more personal conversation in real life. But I can't I mean, tell it anymore. Me. Could have been my friend Gigi. What if I'm doing it today? Because I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do this one. Don't do it. And I was like, sounds great. I will do it. <laughs> um, it is. Do you ever watch Hogan's Heroes in your life? A little bit. Well, you know. Hogan mm-hmm. was murdered. Oh, yeah. This is the murder of Bob Crane. Ah, right? And good one. Never done this one before. Very good one. I've only, I don't think I've seen Hogan's Heroes. I'm a little too young. Yes. It was old when I was young and I'm old. Vince mentions it sometimes. Uh, up until yesterday, I thought the movie Cannonball Run was the movie Cool Runnings. <laughs> So I'm not up to date with your fucking 70s and 80s shows and movies. I will say this, because if I'm right, Cool Runnings is about the Jamaican boss yes, team. That's correct. John Candy is the coach. It's a fucking oh, great movie. Okay. It's a great movie. Okay. It's fun to watch. It's on cable all the time. It's the actors are great. The story is based on a true story. Okay. Everything about it is so feel it's not fucking like good. So super stupid that I thought they were the same thing. No, that is stupid. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I love it. Um, but. Okay, where were we? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> wait, Cool okay. Runnings? Cool Runnings. And what was the Hogan's other one? Heroes. What was the one you thought, though? Uh, uh, running. Running. Cannonball Run. Cannonball Thank Run. You. Thank Sorry. you, Steven. Oh, my God. <laughs> Cannonball this Run. Is, this is the beginning of the end. Wow. I mean, I have the wine I can blame. I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. 
<laughs> I, um, so, okay. So basically, when I was growing up, these were the these were the reruns from seventies television right. or late sixties television that were on like local Mash, cable. What Nash and then Hogan's exactly Hero. sounds so boring. In it's incredibly boring when you're young, especially yes. because it was still at the time. I would watch Hogan's Heroes when I was still young enough to be like, "This is boys' TV. It's not yes, girls' TV." So I don't want to watch it. Dad TV. Yeah, I'm bored. This is boring, and it's army stuff. But it's it was actually a comedy that was essentially based on the Steve. McQueen movie The Great Escape which is about prisoners of war in World War II amazing now I'm like okay I'll watch that and it's a comedy it's the one where like it'd be like um what was the Hogan it was like a big fat German guy that would come in and yell at them and the Nazis of course were very stupid and then they Mm -hmm. would they basically got out and did whatever they wanted then when they'd go back into prison and be like we're here in prison why didn't they just leave Um, because the show just kept getting renewed (laughs) So got it. So the guy that played Hogan and Hogan's Heroes, he, he even if you didn't watch the show and even if you're really young, he had this face like if you saw him because he always had the hat mm-hmm. and he had the leather bomber jacket mm-hmm. and he had a real like cute kind of like you know uh, wiseacre-y face mm-hmm. and he was just like all right sounds good and then he'd go down like a shoot or whatever got he'd it. a trap door seventies right seventies was super fucking famous yes in the seventies and eighties. In the late 60s, 70s, Got I would it. say. Because okay. this show went from, I believe, like 71 to 76 oh, or something okay. like that. Okay. So it was like, when it was on in reruns, it was on reruns with Flipper. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is um, Channel 44 San Francisco. Everyone's favorite channel. 70s, 80s. Channel 44. That was like the cable we dreamed of. Like, oh, if that yeah. comes in, it'll be great. Because you could get your flipper and you could get some Hogan's <laughs> Heroes. And then you get the monkeys, which was like the best. Yeah. Rest in peace, Peter Tork. You were a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this was in that mix. But okay. I didn't, it wasn't my pick sure. because it was like dudes strategizing on how to break out of the prison for the night. Yeah. And you were, and Karen, little Karen was like, make love, not war. I was like, where are the make love shows? Yeah. Because I'm more of a Cinemax gal. Exactly. And I'm not into war. Karen already <laughs> no. was a fucking war protester. No, I was anti-war and I was pro doing it. And any information I could gather about that. Absolutely. I would like to know. I'm on that. And that's why my favorite movie is Summer Lovers starring Peter Gallagher and Daryl Hannah. <laughs> Dirty dancing over here. Put all that. That's all on the recommendation list. Yes. Okay, so let me just tell you a little bit about this. Please. Bob Crane uh, is born July 13th, 1928. Oh, you Yeah, in Waterbury, Connecticut. He's the youngest of two boys, and he grows up in Stamford, Connecticut. He's a talented, charismatic kid. When he's 11 years old, he goes to the 1939 World's Fair, and he sees drummer Gene Krupa play. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Gene Krupa, uh-huh. but he was like this shit uh-huh. drummer. Uh-huh. Um, big time. And so... In having watched that performance, Bob Crane is like, now I want to be a drummer. Yeah. And so he gets to, because this was back when they were actually like arts programs in schools. Mm -hmm. So he um, has... He picks up drumming as a, a tremendous amount of promise. Um, he starts playing with, um, with friends and bands. He joins, when he gets to high school, he's in the marching band, jazz band, and the orchestra. Dude, love Dude. those drummers. He's like, right? Uh-huh. They just hold shit down. <laughs> he, uh, ends up then playing for, 
the Connecticut and Norwalk Symphony Orchestras. Oh, famous. As part of their... Can you believe it? I can't. He made it um, at, for their youth orchestra program. So okay. he's good, yeah, at, yeah. obviously. He graduates in 1946 from Stanford High. Um, he then works as a watch repairman and sales clerk at a local jewelry Another store. Another talent. He's good he's- with his... Brain multi and hands, hand eye coordination, <laughs> but then also real small. Um, he enlists in the Connecticut Army National Guard on May 20th, 1949. He marries his high school sweetheart and Turgeon, and together they have a son and two daughters. So then, um, he moves to Hornell or Hornell, but I think it's Hornell, like New like York, Hormel, Hornell, yeah, Hormel, Chile, New York, yeah, got it. Um, so he can work at a radio station called WLEA. Um, he moves around from job to job in radio. And then finally, in 1956, he moves to Los Angeles to work at the CBS um, affiliate KNX out here as a, their morning yeah. radio show. That is host. our favorite radio station out here, <sighs> everyone. When Georgia and I both tune into KNX, does <laughs> oh, it still exist? I no, I've never heard of it before. <laughs> A three-lettered radio station? Yeah. Um, no. That's from before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he becomes, uh, he's the morning show radio host. Um, he They retitle the old radio, morning radio show, The Bob Crane Show. And it immediately takes off and he becomes known as the king of the Los Angeles airwaves. He's the original podcaster. He really is. Um, he would, he did impressions. He oh. did really good impressions. He later became known as the man of a thousand voices. Oh. And, um, yeah, he had just, he was, a, he was their Ryan Seacrest back in the day. Got it. Um, and on his show, he interacts with a slew of notable musicians and actors and other celebrities. Um, at one point, he even gets to face off with Gene Krupa in a drum <gasps> battle as like some promotional thing. That's a little disrespectful. Uh, <laughs> does he let him win? He better fucking have lost on purpose um although gene krupa i think would have just handed him his ass and said thanks so much for the radio time that's true um so bob crane remains in radio for 15 years until 1965 um and he makes a name for himself as a trailblazer in the field and actually they say the art of sampling can be attributed to bob crane how because the way he He was fucking ripping and scratching on those fucking one twos it was less radio i mean um it was less record scratching mm-hmm. and more that he would cluster commercials, songs, commentary, news into one seamless program. Hmm. So it wasn't the stoppy starty yeah. thing. Like he was trying to kind of blend it all together. Yeah, never stop listening. Yeah. Essentially. He, because he gets so popular and he's like so well known, he gets offers from various TV producers to change the morning radio show into a TV show. But he decides he doesn't want it just to be like, he doesn't want to be a host. He mm-hmm. wants to act. Hmm. Um, and so he declines all those offers, but KNX had knew that Bob was going to want to act. Uh-huh. So they forged a no acting clause <gasps> into his five year contract. What dicks. Um, what do they fucking care? Sorry. I'm Cause they contracts want, they right want <laughs> <laughs> some contract, some contract issues. I've got some issues right now. Okay. Some sensitivities. Uh-huh. Um, uh, so by 1961, when the contract is up, he renegotiates and he has the no acting clause lifted. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then unlike anyone else in Los Angeles, he goes and tries to become an actor. <laughs> How special. <laughs> um, 
But he actually does great because he has, as I said, that really great, but also kind of like any every man face. Mm-hmm. Um, the great voice. He gets some small gigs on the Twilight Zone, the nice. Alfred Hitchcock Hour, and then he lands a guest starring role on the Dick Van Dyke Show in 1962. Fucking sweet. Yeah, and then that, of course, because that's high level shit. That yeah. show was humongous, and from there he gets a, a one off role on the Donna Reed Show, but is so popular what? that then they. Get give him a uh, it becomes a recurring role the character of dr dave kelsey so that's how he kind of breaks into tv on donna reed so he um for two years he is the morning radio dj on knx and he has his show he has his part on the donna reed show um so uh he stops he leaves the donna reed show in 1964 um and then in 1965, he lands the starring role on Hogan's Heroes as Damn. the host, as the hero of Hogan's Heroes, Jerry Hogan. Right. I, I just <laughs> realized I never looked at Jerry Marie Hogan. <laughs> get out of that prison camp. Um, so Hogan's Heroes is a huge hit. It runs for six seasons. He gets two Emmy nominations uh, for it. Um, and then in 1965, he starts to have an affair with his fellow Hogan's Heroes uh, actor, a woman named Cynthia Lynn. So his family's at home, obviously. This is uh. a very common thing in show business. Uh. As they get filled with the um, with the success and the fame, the, you know, everything changes a little bit and it's the old um, things are better here than they are at home. So apparently this was his love interest on the show and when they would kiss on the show and then the director would call cut, they would just keep on kissing. Gross. Right? So everybody at the show knew that yeah. basically they were having an affair. It was very open on the set, but, but to his family and then to the press and everyone else he was this wholesome family man the the doctor from donna reed or whatever what a dick Uh, (laughs) so cynthia would later note that bob uh in when they were having their affair showed this fascination with cameras and he would often ask to photograph her nude um she consented but it was part of it Uh earmark that for later i'm doing it uh, um, when Cynthia leaves the show after the first season, uh, the affair essentially ends. Yeah. That's how you know it's true love <laughs> is if you're not close by uh-huh. anymore, you're out. They forget about you. Yeah. So then another affair starts in 1968 with his co-star, uh, an actress named Patricia Olson, who had a different stage name, but that was her real name. She one of the Olsen twins? She was Mary Ellen's older sister. Got it. <laughs> she was one of the Olsen twins, not the one of the famous ones. She's the fourth Olsen twin. Yeah. Fourth so, iteration of... Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, she's the prequel. <laughs> Nyquil. <laughs> oh, God. So... Mm-hmm. So it's on with Patricia. Let's get it. And <laughs> let's do it. Let's get it on. Um, that goes on for two years. Finally, Bob divorces his wife in 1970, uh, right before their 21st wedding anniversary. Oh, well, what a dick. Yeah. He saved it up. Um, then he ends up marrying Patricia Olson on the set of Hogan's Heroes <sighs> later the same year. Tacky. Super cheesy yeah. and cornball. Okay, so the next year, um, Patricia gives birth to their son, Scotty, and then um, a little while later, they adopt a daughter named Anna Marie. Um, so Did they named the middle name after his own middle name? That's right. Bob Marie Crane. So Sorry, I'm interrupting you way <laughs> no, too no, much. No. Okay, please. Okay. Um, so Hogan's Heroes gets canceled. Um, then Bob works on various films, TV shows, and theater performances. Um, 
1975, they actually give him on NBC, they give him his own show for a little while called The Bob Crane Show, but it only lasts for 13 episodes. Listen, it's happened to a lot of us. Yeah. Don't be That's ashamed. a lot more than... A lot more than most. Right. Those ones that start and immediately stop. Yeah, yeah. Those Ooh. are my favorite TV shows. Oh, Where you're like, I've seen this billboard up on, uh-huh. on Barham. I've been having to stare at it for four months. And they're and not going to take it down for eight more. No, even but though still, the <laughs> they only aired two episodes. Oh, God, it's a tough town. It's a real tough... Contracts. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, contracts. Oh, contracts. Then in 1977, Bob and Patricia split up. Uh, he continues acting, but of course, the, the heat of Hogan's Heroes and everything else is slowly starting to die. It's the thing that nobody ever thinks about in Hollywood. Many, many people come here, they have some success, and they're like, good, I'm set forever. Up, up, and away. People will always love me this exact much. Right. Oh, no, they fucking won't. <laughs> you. I know, Karen, you've been reminding me of that since we fucking started this podcast. Please don't forget. <laughs> this love is temporary. Please don't get detached. I can't let you get hurt like I've been hurt. <laughs> um, so, of course, and he's also like, he's 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 basically Hogan from Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. People aren't that interested no. in seeing him in anything else. I mean, has anyone watched BoJack Horseman? It's the same fucking story. <laughs> it's my favorite it's the fucking story show. of Bob Crane. <laughs> it's the story of Bob Crane without the murder. So, okay, so... Um, so the career is dwindling a little bit. And then in 1978, and this I think is like, it reminds me of, um, did you watch the movie Soap with Robert Downey Jr. and Sally Field and Kevin Klein? No, but I know what you're talking about. Okay. Because it's good. And <laughs> yeah. let's put that on the list of sure. recommendations. That's what, Stephen, our eighth film recommendation <laughs> of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. we'll call this one film time. Yeah. Uh, it's a great movie and it starts Kevin. Kevin Klein is doing <laughs> Death of a Salesman in Florida Oy. in like a din- dinner theater in oh, Florida no. for old people that That'll talk. be us one day. It will be. And we will love it. <laughs> and we will fucking succeed at it. The second all of this begins the downslope, yeah. I start drinking again and I won't give a shit what happens. Great. We'll do Arthur Miller plays in Tallahassee. It's <laughs> going to be amazing. Do it. We both are going to be in Death of a Salesman. That's right. Okay. And there's going to be so much more swearing. <laughs> Than Arthur Miller, that's a guess, ever intended to be in his play. Okay, so in 1978, he's cast in a run of Beginner's Luck at the Windmill Dinner Theater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, God. Yeah, it's tough. That hurts me. And it's not that, like, it's within the decade of when Hogan's Heroes is canceled. So this is, this is true pain, Hollywood pain. Yeah. This is where you really have gone off the, you're you're no longer invited to the big party. Pretty quick. Yeah, it's rough. And the other thing too is he had built such a. It's a huge career. This yeah. man really. It's he has a foundation. Long, yeah, and he's clearly ins- insanely talented. But here we are. So he's doing some dinner theater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, and while he's there, he moves into the Winfield Place Apartments. Um, That's the Oakwood of. Of Scottsdale. I would think. Dude, the Oakwoods in the fucking Michael Jackson documentary, by the is way. Is it really? Yeah. If you're in LA, you know what we're talking about. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, look it up. (laughs) Um, Okay. So on June 28th, 1978, um, Bob fails to show up for a lunch meeting. So one of his cast members from Beginner's Luck comes over to see to his apartment to check on him. And it's a woman. And she goes into the um, apartment and finds Bob's dead body (gasps) with an electrical cord tied around his neck. And he's been bludgeoned to death with something. Um, police are called, obviously, um, obviously, and <laughs> that, <laughs> no doy. You can tell I'm reading. I'm so bad. Uh, the reading voice is so different. No, you're doing great. Um, thanks. So the police get there. They theorize that Bob has been bludgeoned to death with, with a camera tripod, <gasps> but it's never proven, but that's just the, um, what they believe. Did they make that up or there was like a bloody tripod there in was, the room? <laughs> there's no reason. They just made it. No. It's because of the other stuff they find in the apartment. Okay. Ooh. So, yeah. It's very telling. Yeah, right? Uh, and then remember the other thing I told you about the other girlfriend and the pictures? Photos. Okay. Tasteful nudes. Right? They search Bob's home for clues, um, but at the time, the Scottsdale Police Department was really small and had no established homicide unit. So they they weren't equipped to handle a murder investigation. You know what I'm going to say? What? Well, there hasn't been a murder around here. <laughs> it's 25 years, <laughs> which someone pointed out is a very short amount of oh, time. Oh, yeah, we know that now. <laughs> Yeah, it feels long. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying it in an old voice, but it's actually a very... You're a minor. It's uh, recent. You're a pioneer from, what is it, 1993. Yeah. Did I get that right? I think you did. No. Math. Go on. <laughs> I don't even know how to... I wouldn't know how to put that math together. Well, I only know that because I was born in 1980, so it's a nice even number to be oh, like, right. oh, I'm 38 now because it's... oh. It's 2019, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Math time. Go on. And now math time's over. <laughs> Literally, when I sat here trying to do that math, I just saw a big nine and a big three. And then that's all I could. <laughs> there was no actual help. Me neither. Okay. So here I am on this page. <laughs> so the, the search of this apartment yields almost no evidence except because there's no sign of forced entry. Um, no valuables have been stolen. Um, but the police do find an ex- extensive collection of homemade videotapes. Uh-oh. 1973. So this is... Is that film or video cassettes? It's... Girl, it's practically real to real. <laughs> 78. Like, I remember when my friend Janet Nielsen's parents got the first vcr jesus in 78 in it was even earlier than that i think it was like they were they were they were fucking hooked up in 85 when we wanted to run a fucking movie we had to rent a vcr too (laughs) we did that too too at the grocery at the grocery store at the video store across the street yes my sister and i very often would rent the vcr and we'd rent (laughs) the best of brian adams video compilation anything you do (laughs) i won't do it there's he had a great video of uh for run to you where it was just him playing the guitar with a bunch of leaves being blown all around sure him. what's more romantic come on and black and like i'm gonna run to you leaves leaves leaves, leaves. He, it, it's like mimics running with blowing yeah but he didn't have to move no he could just stay there and play the guitar right um god please guys <laughs> i meant to say not god please go ahead and rent the best of brian adams video and rent Put a vcr while you're there <laughs> Have the experience. This is what it was like. You know what? You'd probably, I bet these days people would have to rent a VCR because they're now completely cycled out. Fucking A. The future and the past coming together. (laughs) 
Here's what I'm talking about. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Let's not listen to ourselves. So essentially, they, they come upon all these home videos and they're like, what the fuck? They take them all into... Um, uh, evidence uh-huh. and they take them down to the station to review them uh-huh. and that is where they find that Bob Crane has videotaped a whole host of sexual activity between himself and women he's a pornographer he's a self pornographer okay a home a hometown pornographer sure. um, <laughs> <clears throat> that's our new episode mini episode is hometown pornographer hometown pornographer we might be biting a couple other podcast ideas right here but let's just see how it goes okay there's another man featured in some of these recordings and they eventually identify that man as someone named John Henry Carpenter so John Carpenter was a regional sales manager for Sony Electronics in Los Angeles Mm. And he was an expert in video equipment and video recording. And part of his job was helping customers learn how to use the video recording equipment. Uh So one such customer was a one Bob Crane. Um, So it turns out they frequently went drinking together. And while they were out at bars, Bob Crane's celebrity, it's like, look, Hogan from Hogan's Heroes is here. And that would enable them to pick up on women. Um, They would bring them back to wherever they were staying at the time and then record themselves having sex with these women. Um, Now, later on, Bob's uh, son from his first marriage, Robert, would say that all these women consented. It was what they also were into. And that's why the tapes got made. Mm -hmm. But when police went and interviewed these women, they found their identities. A lot of them had no idea that they had been filmed. So um, it was a bit of a creepy situation, even just to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turned out that the whole scheme was because Bob Crane was uh, was a rampant sex addict mm. um and everybody that he had worked with in the business kind of knew it yeah and a lot of them tried to distance themselves from him when when they experienced it in whatever way they did mm-hmm. so that was part of the reason his acting career dwindled the way it did right um okay all right yeah. let's not become sex addicts i mean let's do our best but then <laughs> when the pressures mount you got to go somewhere you got to take that pressure away somehow and like me here's me over here with my coconut macarons going <laughs> what am i going to do with this pressure well that's just coconut macarons or what they're not Bob. working they, they don't work <laughs> And neither does yoga. I'm sorry. Um, Tantric yoga. (laughs) Whoa. When you film it. Uh, So, yeah, this was Bob's addiction. Okay. Um, And the his reliance on sex um, and the illicit pursuits became more frequent as his career was dwindling. Sure. Which makes fulfillment. We all need it. Everybody needs it. Especially when we're not getting it elsewhere. When and things used to you used to get tons of fulfillment that's the that's the other thing is that experience of fame where you the popularity is like you it's you think it's permanent and unceasing uh-huh. the removal of that uh-huh. and the the emptiness that leaves behind yeah people it's are going like to go to any there. addiction you have it would have if it was alcohol he would have fucking drank too much if it was drugs if it was gambling whatever how about shopping and just buying the same tiny shirt over and over <laughs> in a bunch of different colors that's what i used to do <laughs> When I took my diet pills and eating was no longer on the table because it just, oh. they'd cut that part of my brain off for yeah. miraculously. Then I was just like, I have to go to Club Monaco. And that's all I did. So 
Bob actually, it was a problem to the point where Bob actually met with a therapist and had been talking about and coming to terms with the fact that he did indeed have this uh, problem with sexual addiction. Uh Um, And he had plans to meet with a psychologist who specialized in Uh sex addiction in Los Angeles when beginner's luck ended the run, Uh but never got a chance to do that. Uh Um, So the police figure out that John Carpenter had flown to Arizona to visit with Bob for a few days on June 25th, 1978. So he was out there and around. Um, And when they inspect the rental car that John Carpenter had used during his visit, they find blood smears inside the vehicle. Uh -uh. The blood matches Bob Crane's blood type, but of course... This, this is way before DNA testing. So the blood type match isn't strong enough to bring charges against Carpenter and the case goes cold. They just taste it and they're like, it tastes kind of like that was DNA <laughs> testing back then. <laughs> that was, let's get the tasting scientist in here. Yeah, yeah no, nothing, oh. nothing. So 12 years later in 1990, Scottsdale detective Jim Raines, who had already been a, a homicide investigator in Phoenix. So it was like finally, you know, they were building up their homicide uh, department, uh-huh. I would imagine. I took, I'm assuming that because of one sentence that is in the research. I think you're right. Let's I write, mean, let's write a whole movie about it. Okay. How Sc- Scottsdale, you know what? They're turning their homicide department around. Up and coming. <laughs> so Jim Raines is there. To kick some ass. And he starts reexamining the the little evidence that they do have in the Bob Crane murder case. And he discovers photographic evidence of the presence of brain tissue mm. in the rental car. Ew. So when they were looking for the evidence in the rental car, they also took pictures, which is very smart and good. Yeah. Because that's the one thing. So um, there was no way that they could extract that evidence being that really? it was like over a decade after but the crime. But just looking at it, they couldn't be like, that's not chewing gum, that's brain matter. No, they could. Okay. But but it wasn't like they could go back to the car oh. and prove it. Okay. But it was, uh, the photo evidence was significant enough okay. that a judge deemed it as admissible evidence. And in June, June of 1992, John Carpenter is arrested and charged mm. with Bob Crane's murder. So In 1994, uh, the trial begins and Bob's son, Robert, testifies that um, Bob had wasn't they weren't getting along anymore, that Bob Crane thought of Carpenter as a nuisance and a hanger on and he no longer wanted Carpenter in his life. Um, and according to Robert, the son, the night before his murder, Bob Crane allegedly called Carpenter to end their relationship. Uh-uh. Um, and you have to figure if you're doing something le- like creepy like that, if you're not completely good yeah. with the situation, the person that's uh, kind of aiding and abetting you in that situation, you're going to want to turn on them at some yeah. point because it's like, I don't want to do this anymore. It's your fault. We're doing right. this or, you right. know, or go find someone else to do it with when this guy knows he's not gonna find anyone else to do it with no he's fucking pissed and that guy has so much power over him being that they're kind of in this collaboration of of filthiness together that's my collaboration of filthiness please (laughs) we're naming the episode that's what this podcast is that truly is okay so according to uh i said that right Carpenter's defense quickly bats down all of these accusations from Robert, the son, and then they bring in witnesses who saw Bob and John Carpenter having dinner at a nearby restaurant the night before the murder, and 
they all attest to that they were getting along very well. <laughs> Wait, so they were having dinner the night before, but no, they were like friendly. So he didn't smash him over the head later. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Especially when, if you've lived in LA for any oh, period yeah. of time, you will sit happily at dinner across from your worst enemy. Yeah. That it, it means nothing no. that they were getting along. The fact out- that he was in fucking Scottsdale, Arizona, and he ended up dead the next morning is more important than that they were casually smiling and eating fucking what chicken parmesan i don't know <laughs> what do they serve in scottsdale <laughs> we're gonna hear about it okay um no that oh. i meant people are gonna write in <laughs> oh okay good. Go like, tell me thing. what we ate what he ate uh well clams casino oh shit oh have you ever had clams in scottsdale they are fresh <laughs> and delicious <laughs> okay so okay John Carpenter's attorneys also note that the tripod, the camera tripod murder weapon was pure speculation, um, that it was never found or proven to be true. And that was really what was linking like in everyone's mind. Right. It's like, if this is the weapon, then the guy that knows the most about these mm. is the murderer. He still can, he can still touch a baseball bat, right? He can touch anything. Exactly. And when it came to the evidence that they did have, the Scottsdale police had mishandled or even lost enough of it so that it was um basically the defense was saying yeah this you guys don't even really know what you're doing so yeah. you certainly can't put in a case together against my client um what if you had a lawyer that talked like that but defending you against Look, murder bro uh you don't have a case yeah. against your client <laughs> i mean my client <laughs> anyone's client in court they're like your client my client my client it's your honor it's my client <laughs> The defense also argues that there are so many potential suspects that haven't been looked at, which is very true, mm-hmm. including the women in the video whose motive could be murder because uh, they they could have been blackmailed or they could want to be blackmailing um, Bob Crane and John Carpenter. Family members or friends of the women who were recorded who would want to defend their honor. Um, there was actually even another actor who swore revenge after a violent argument with Crane several months before oh. the murder took place. So, And his name was, was it Conan O'Brien? That was Conan O'Brien, <laughs> who was in, he was only 12 when he was in Beginner's Luck I in Scottsdale. I will kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. Clown Crane. <laughs> and frame your friend. Okay. <laughs> so then... I should put my thumb near where the last thing I read (laughs) before we start laughing about things. Okay, so with so much reasonable doubt surrounding the case, John Carpenter is acquitted and he maintained his innocence. Yeah, they they didn't get him. He's acquitted and he said he was innocent until he died a few years later in 1998. Shit. Yeah. Uh, so with the case still unsolved, Bob's son Robert starts to speculate that there's a chance Bob's second wife, Patricia Olson, may have had something to do with the murder because she was the one that stood to inherit Bob's entire estate. You mean so- his apartment in fucking Scottsdale? <laughs> his divorced dad apartment? Sorry, have you seen a divorced dad's apartment? They're fucking depressing. She's like, I'll kill for that fucking shag carpet. I need beige everywhere. She's like, I need a bunch of reel-to-reel videos of other women fucking my husband. Right. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Patricia did get his entire estate. Huh. There was nothing left for Bob's first wife or any of his three children. Fuck that shit. Yeah. So, um, also in the early 2000s, the fascination about this murder um, and the secret life surrounding Bob Crane 
resurged and Patricia Olson began speaking more openly um, t- about their life together. And she said that she knew that Bob had a persistent sex addic- addiction, that she didn't mind. To her, it was just an obsession he had. And she thought there was no use in being jealous of an obsession he couldn't control. Huh. And after her own death in 2007, um, she was buried, Patricia was buried next to Bob Crane in the Westwood Village Memorial Park in Westwood neighborhood of Los Angeles. Um, So in 2001, um, Bob's son from his second marriage launched a website called bobcrane.com where visitors could pay to see some of Bob Crane's sex tapes and photographs. uh, Apparently the website doesn't exist anymore, but that was something his own family member set up. Oh, the 2001s. Yeah. They were fucked up time for computers. They were. Well, it was like anything goes. And you wonder, like, obviously, like you said, he didn't have much of an estate. Yeah. Because this is this is from the family that got money from the estate. Yeah. And they're setting that up. In 2002, the film Autofocus starring Greg Kinnear. um, So good. Which is based on uh, (laughs) Greg Kinnear as Bob Crane uh, is released. It's so perfect because Greg Kinnear, which is when you said he'd be a great Ted Bundy, Ted Bundy, because yeah. he is so friendly and sweet. Yes. He's not some creepy dude making videos. No. Yeah. It's a really good movie. It's the, and it really was when that whole story came out that that's how Bob Crane died. And that was the, what his secret was. Yeah. It really was shocking. Yeah. And it's that thing of the face. How could a person with a face like that do a thing like that? Yeah. Don't trust anyone. Right. And certainly don't base your trust right. on face sure. facial features. Sure. I can't help I have a perfect nose. <laughs> it doesn't mean you should give me your car keys. Look, Mimi's resting bitch face does not tell of who she is as a person cat. No, cat all of person. us with resting bitch face actually have big sensitive hearts that we're just trying to keep you away from for our own safety. <laughs> Mimi included. Oh, Mimi. Poor Mimi. I have resting friendly face when really I just want everyone to leave me alone. <laughs> is that weird? Is that you, a thing? You have a really good, what I would say is friendly, resting friendly frozen face. Where you'll stare at people with your smile, but you're, you can see in your eyes that you're like, what the fuck is this? Really? That's my favorite look when you get it. Is it this one? Yes. Oh my it's God. Just it's like, like, when are you going to shut up? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. I have cultivated Because nobody's it. ever offended. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make anything negative And happen. the only person who knows it is someone who knows me really well. Because <laughs> yes. I'll just put my claws into your arm under the table and be like, get me out of this conversation. And every once in a while, your head will be cocked one way or the other where I'm like, oh, she doesn't actually like this at all. It's taken (laughs) me forever to figure it out because, of course, I'm resting bitch face and then I'll also be bitchy for no reason. I enjoy it. I think it's funny. So I don't know how to read the, this more subtle things. Also, when you, you watch, you can watch any emotion pass through my face. Oh, yeah. It's like a, it's like clear glass where it's just like, oh, no, I hate that. Oh, no, that's fine. Okay. I just, I don't know how to mask it at all. I love it. Working on it. I love it all. I'm working on my acting. <laughs> don't. I love talking about myself. I, w- <laughs> I love when you talk about me. It's perfect. <laughs> this is what podcasting is all about. Okay. So that movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Bob's son, Scotty, the one who set up B- BobCrane.com, mm-hmm. he criticized the film for its inaccuracy. So he's saying Bob uh, was never initially a church-going man who then turned to a life of sexual addiction and deviance. He was actually a longtime sex addict. Hmm. And according to Scotty, the sex tapes Bob made dated back as early as 1956. Whoa, vintage porn. I mean, like, was he fuck? How did he do it? Like, go under the cloth, take the picture, run over? 
over to the bed. How? Oh, vintage porn is the best porn. Yeah. Filthy. Also, the 50s porn. 50s. That's a lot of like, I'm going to slowly take my girdle off. Well, the way you know, and actually they show, they did show this. I may, I don't, it's been so long since I've seen the movie, but I was going to say like, the girls had to know it was being filmed because the, the recorder was the loudest fucking machine yes. in the entire world, but they showed them putting music up really loud. Oh, and that's covering true. the sound of it. And I bet you they had a couple, about eight or nine cocaines. Uh, <laughs> They had about nine cocaine <laughs> and they had a couple grasshoppers. That combination. Some fucking rusty nails. That's actually a cocktail, right? Yes, yeah. it is. It is. Um, yeah, those old, those old, not video camera, but like a movie camera or whatever, uh-huh. high, high eight, super eight it, cameras. Yeah. It sounded like a, like a playing card in a bicycle yes. wheel. Exactly. It was like, yeah, that's all it was. Was that fun to listen to? Was that <laughs> ASMR for anybody? <sighs> Great. So then... <laughs> then what happened? What about Bob? I'll tell you. In 2015, um, Robert, Bob's son from his first marriage, wrote and released a book called Crane, colon, Sex, Celebrity, and My Father's Unsolved Murder. Mm. Um, in 2016, with DNA testing available, um, reporter John Hook gets permission from Maricopa County um, Attorney's Office to get the blood samples from the rental car mm. tested. Yes. So he goes into the old evidence, gets it tested. The tests basically prove inconclusive because one sample is determined to be from an unknown male and the second is too degraded to to get uh, conclusive results. I hate the word inconclusive. It makes I know. me angry. It's just so unsatisfying. Yeah. And that is the end. <laughs> that's how unsatisfying the story is because that's the still unsolved murder of Bob Crane. Holy shit. Yes. And if you need, uh, definitely if this interests you in any way, watch Autofocus, it's the movie Autofocus. Another recommendation good one yeah thank you that was a good pick i'm mad thank you good yeah the ultimate compliment i'm mad that you found that i didn't think of that one sooner so it wasn't you and i talking absolutely not <laughs> okay, good. god damn it you're off the I'm list mad at all my friends for not every time we're <laughs> hanging out i'm like give me a murder did you i don't know what to do yeah there's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye 
Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in-network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter her promo code space 80. Goodbye. Goodbye. Now it's your turn. Okay, it's my turn now. We hate murderers. They're fu- they fucking suck. That's true. Overall. This one is particularly a douchebag. Okay. So here we go. This is the Dexter copycat killer. <gasps> okay. You hear from me? I, I've uh I've heard about this. Okay. We didn't do this, did we? It was in a mini sode. Okay, yeah. so we didn't do this. Ep- we didn't do this, dude. We did it in Minnesota. I was okay. going to do it at a live show when we were in Toronto. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. I did get that message, <laughs> um, but it was thirty hours away from <laughs> Toronto, so I didn't. <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm doing them that are like up in the Arctic Circle, never, I mean, never even thinking about it. What do they want? Yeah. This guy sucks so fucking bad. Okay. Mark Twitchell is his name. Sure. He's born in Edmonton, Canada on July 4th, 1979. 4th of July. It means nothing. It's, it's in Canada. It's absolutely meaningless <laughs> they to Canadians. Don't care. They don't know what you're talking about. Right. Um, he graduates from the radio and television program at the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. He fucking wants to be a filmmaker. He, okay, spent several years living in the Midwest, goes back to Canada to pursue a career in filmmaking, which has never been said before. <laughs> um, here, here come all the Edmonton filmmakers <laughs> down your throat. That's fucking right. He's obsessed with sci-fi, likes doing cosplay. Not there's nothing wrong with that. But this guy sucks particularly badly. Okay. Dresses up, plays out scenes from his favorite movies called LARPing, right? Yes. Lar- live action role play. Mm-hmm. Fine. Oh, so he's, yeah, basically there's regular nerds who especially love a certain thing and want to delve all the way into it. Yes. We, we relate. Oh, we are those nerds. Absolutely. But then there's the um, nerds, nerds that do that, but then they also have a homicidal element to their personality. Right. We don't like them. No. We'll go to your fucking... It's it's basically like doing a Civil War reenactment. Yes. But a fucking Star Wars. That sounds way more fun than a Civil War reenactment. Here's what he looks like. Picture Adam Devine, the, com- Great. the comedian from Workaholics. Who, I, who could actually play my younger brother if necessary. Really? Adam Devine, don't you think? I don't know. <laughs> 
I've never thought about it. Take that leave it. Out. Leave it. Uh, who's Paul Giamatti's younger brother? Mm. Is that okay? So it's Paul. Nope. Adam Devine. Okay. But picture him in a homemade bumblebee costume from fucking Transformers, or <laughs> dressed up as Wolverine with like you know fake sideburns sure. at a bar. He's also this is like so this is the early two thousands. So he's super into going online looking for personal relationships. Goes to like dating sites and shit, chat rooms. Remember those? No, we loved them Never so much. It. Yes, we did. The idea of being on that and like just ran- trying to randomly talk to anybody. I would never do that in a million years. I did it constantly. Keep in mind, I was under 20 years old the entire time. I did it. That is a forensic files waiting to happen. Georgia 1313 was my, my username. Oh shit. That just hit me. I just remembered that. Like, do you think that people were like, hopefully she's 13? Oh God, I didn't even think about that. (laughs) I just was like, what's a, what's a a scary number? 13. Great. (laughs) Do it twice. Oh man. Fucking double down. I didn't really get deep into it, but I did go into a lot of straight edge and fucking raver (laughs) chat rooms. Well, that, you needed that information. I did. That was stuff like, guys, where do we go pick up the egg that then inside has the directions to the warehouse, (laughs) right? Isn't that raver life? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was too old. I was just like, it was too old. That's to me, all of the internet and when it started like that and it was all MySpace and why aren't you my friend on MySpace type of shit I was not on any of it and I would say to people all the time why don't you just walk down Melrose and ask people do you think I'm good looking because it's the same fucking thing (laughs) or smart or deep or anything or interesting I'm 10 years younger than you so I was deep into that shit yeah I had a fucking live journal from the very beginning yeah girl I love that shit (laughs) it's it was my home (laughs) he also used like for his dating picture was a photo of Darth Maul. Oh, from honey. The, from the, not just Star Wars, but from the reboot, which everyone knows is terrible. <laughs> right? Don't get mad at me, everyone. Okay, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Um, or well, well, can I just say, uh-huh. he didn't use Jar Jar Banks, and maybe that's the that's the number one douche. Oh, you're... Oh, no, wait. No, you're right. <laughs> he does, you're like, well, hold on. Hold on. He, okay. Yes. Correct. Well, can I ask a question about this, though? I might not be able to answer it. Okay, I think you will. Okay. Was he shopping for ladies or men on Mm. these dating sites? Ladies. Okay. He was super into ladies, and somehow they were into him. Well, because you know why? Because they saw that picture of Darth Maul, and they're like, (laughs) there he is. It's my dream man. Wait, is he Wolverine? He might be Wolverine. (laughs) Can he transform? Oh, my God. The sideburns alone. Love. They loved it. Um, So, he calls himself a renaissance a renaissance man and then i wrote we call him a chode <laughs> wow in 2000 he's 21 he meets a woman named megan online they fucking fall in love and hit it off as only you could do in the early 2000s and fall in love <laughs> it was the best love back the then. best love yeah i did it a couple times yeah i totally fell for people online um she thinks he's charming and sweet and smart and they they're talking online for fucking months Totally fucking did it. Um, and Megan, who lives in the States, flies to Edmonton to marry Mark Twitchell. Wait. After a couple months of talking. Talking, but not meeting in real life? I don't know if they had met, but maybe it probably was for a long weekend if they had. Yeah. She, that's, no. He's 21. She's 20. They get married. She moves to Edmonton. Okay. From Colorado. Uh, can I just say what I might... Always. I have a feeling... <laughs> That Mary, maybe she floated a thing of like, I can't fuck you unless we're married. No, 
she's like, if this guy, did you ever fall in love with a guy online? No. Yeah. If you, <laughs> if this guy is who he's purporting to be online, oh my God. And it hadn't been like outed yet that we, that don't trust anyone online, which we all know now. Yes. But oh, like, I this guy's like, amazing. He checked all her boxes. Yeah. It was like, this was meant to be. Yes. Okay. Yeah. They're like, well, we're in love. This, you're the person you say you are online. God, I'm going to get online. Try you know it. what? I'm going to join MySpace. I don't care. I'm doing it. <laughs> get on there with me. Let's all see Start who can Start from the meet. beginning. Go to Makeout Club, <laughs> which I did. I Yeah. It's in our book, actually. Okay. Um, oh, uh, pick up our book um, sometime in May. We don't know when. <laughs> we don't know. Uh, okay. So she gets married to him. They stay married for four years. But as soon as she moves her, she's like, oh, shit. This isn't the guy I thought he was online. Huh? Oh, really? Nobody knew. Me, um, I'm now the meanest older sister in the world. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, you, really, oh, Deborah? Because you thought you were going to go to Edmonton and everything was right. Yeah, just because you spoke to him three times on the phone. <laughs> and the fucking, and you know, there was fucking long distance charges back then, too. Oh, on the phone, yes. everyone. You don't know there wasn't tweeting and sh- or mean texting. And she shit. was like, every time she called him, it was like 10, 10, yeah. 2, 20. 10, 10, 3, 2, 1. <laughs> That's right. You oldies know what we're talking about. Uh, she realizes he's a compulsive liar and that he's cheating on her constantly, which is just who he was. He was a fucking sociopathic, narcissistic piece of shit liar. Wow. Just a guy who thinks he's smarter than everyone and very bright and, but yet has, but sucks and has huge blind spots. Darth Maul. Okay. <laughs> he's a real Darth Maul. Yeah. A Canadian one at that. <laughs> right. So yet less than a year after their uh, relationship ends, he remarries in 2005 to another woman he's met online. They fucking have a baby. And um, this creep, Mark Twitchell, starts, uh, he gains a small following among sci-fi fans because he's like cool to them when he directs a movie that he makes using green screen called Star Wars Secrets of the Rebellion. Oh, he makes his own Star Wars movie? He makes his own Star Wars movie using mostly green screen and that doesn't have the money to have someone do the actual work to make it real. Right. So Also, you can't make money on someone else's idea, so no. he would have just immediately been sued. George Lucas would have had had him for dinner but he was so cocky that he was like i'm gonna make this and this is what's gonna get me work like they're gonna see how great i am when they and he's just this cocky mean everyone who worked on the film was like he was such a fucking asshole we hated him yeah and the movie has a short cameo by uh, the dude who plays boba fett in the (laughs) in the star wars movie which i was listening to uh this episode from last podcast on the left and they're like well he's wearing a mask so who the fuck even you don't need the I was going to say, is it the actor? Either way, it doesn't you don't matter. know. Yeah. Right. That's unprovable. Right. So then he also starts working. Uh, after that, he does that. He's like, this is going to make me famous. Then he starts working on a script for a comedy uh, that he calls Day Players, which is essentially uh, extras. Oh, okay. By our friend. Ricky Gervais. Thank you. Which is just about extras. He's um, not our friend, by the way. I know. He's a Siamese cat. <laughs> we don't know him. We... Okay, so he starts make, making this fucking stupid show. There's a trailer for it online that's basically every dude you've ever dated in improv. Oh. If they made a fucking short with like their video camera from oh, no. 2007. No, thank you. And like riffed. And then we're like, this is the best part. Let's put it in the trailer. And you had to be like, oh my God, baby, it's so... F-. I'm sorry, I'm talking from experience. No. <laughs> baby, it's so funny. You're the best one though. <laughs> I mean, it's so good and you're so fun. I, how do you like think of stuff that quickly? <laughs> Can I just right now quote my friend Derek Riddle, who is an incredible 
incredibly talented Scottish actor who was on the book group with me. One mm-hmm. of the funniest people I've ever met, but an amazing actor. And you've actually seen him in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't think off offhand. But one time was we were being driven to set. It was me and Derek Riddle was in the front seat, Jimmy Lance and one other person. And those guys were talking and they were just riffing endlessly. And it was just this kind of nonsensical conversation that they were riffing through. And from the front seat, I'm not going to be able to do the Scottish accent do it, correctly, do it, do it. but Derek just goes, Jesus, somebody block. (laughs) 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 Somebody run through this motherfucking thing and end (laughs) this shit. Ruin this. Somebody know but this improvisation. It it does make you, it does make you appreciate really fucking good improv when you see it. Yes. After you've seen so many exes bad (laughs) improv. I'm yep. sorry. There's a lot of bad, bad everything out there. There is. The majority of most things are bad. But you don't have to date a person who's doing it. And like a lot of bad things you don't have to go to their performance of. Like someone's bad at painting. You don't have to sit and watch them paint for two and a half hours. <laughs> and get drunk at, okay, at IO. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> okay. So he's a fucking lying liar who lies. He quits his job, doesn't tell his wife, does the fucking thing of, I'm going to work now, goodbye. Which oh. is like such a fucking sociopathic thing to do. But also oh you get it it's my favorite (laughs) there's something about it that fills me i become enthralled it's very similar to um mardi gras just started Mm -hmm. and one of it's uh, i believe it's the skin and bones crew Mm -hmm. but they started their party at 5 Mm a.m and when i saw the video on twitter there it was almost like i was in a float up off the couch the idea of getting up at 5 a.m to drink and party Mm -hmm. and do drums in the street and hang out what is like my dream you know who else does that is people who are into football which yes. aka soccer overseas yep. and they'll do that and I'm like damn I wish I could watch that I, I wish it. I cared yeah set your alarm and get up and you're like well I have to drink because over yeah. there it's, it's after five but I just any anything like that and and then also this idea that maybe you fucked up maybe you fucked up so bad you mm-hmm. can't tell anyone so then you pr- you're putting all this energy into tricking people into believing you didn't fuck up yeah like but that just shows what a lot like that you I mean, once you get to that place where you can't lie, because you've already lied so many fucking, or you have to lie because you've lied. No, it's, I know. I'm just remembering in college, after I flunked out of college, between the time I told my parents and didn't, I would get up every day and run to the mailbox to make sure they didn't get my report card before me. And after... After I broke the news, whatever, my dad goes, yeah, your little mailbox trip didn't work either. (gasps) Of course, it's like, I've never cared about mail in my life. Yeah. And suddenly I'm getting up and running to the mailbox every day where it's just like, your parents know, they know what you're doing. Yeah, I think you're stupid, to be honest. (laughs) Quits his job. Um, But he still goes out on Friday nights pretending he has a job. He has, he rents a garage in Edmonton Southside, which apparently was a bad neighborhood. He rent, there was like a literal garage that he rented from a couple who didn't speak English. So he's like, great. They won't be able to tell anyone anything. Oh yeah. That's what he does. Um, and he also starts telling, he's, he's trying to get investors in what he's calling his A-list movie, big budget movie <laughs> that he's going to make that has A-list stars that's already, have already signed on to the movie. And he's like a great bullshitter. Like uh, Boba Fett. <laughs> will be there and of course Darth Maul is going to make yes, an appearance he fucking talks about Alec Baldwin being impar- like he's just like li- yeah. he's lying and he's really good at it like a lot of sociopaths are yeah and so people kind of believe him and he ends up getting like 90 grand <gasps> 
to fucking make this movie. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, he's it's the sociopath or whatever psychopath right. thing where they're the charisma floats it. And I know a lot of us are like, wait, he can get a wife and fucking all this money. Two but wives. He, two and like, but he's a liar. But it's like, well, you have to have follow through. Like if he had put as much effort and fucking time into like what he actually did as he did selling his bullshit, including to like selling it to these women that he's a pe- not a piece of shit. Yeah. It, maybe this would have been fine. Just how about just don't be a piece of shit a little bit. Right. If that's a choice. Give it a shot. We don't know. Sometimes it's not a choice. Yeah. Try. Go to therapy. Okay. <laughs> Um, so he also spends a lot of time on the internet where he creates fake accounts and he and fake identities and catfishes the shit out of people. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of every Star Wars character he's pretending to be on the internet. <laughs> Boba it's, Fett name too. I can't. me. R2-D2. <laughs> right. Date me. I'm a robot. There you go. Um, and around this time, he starts to become obsessed with the show Dexter. Yeah. Which I've never seen a single fucking episode of. It was good. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was really it was really good because it was like a procedural, but then it was also like Silence of the Lambs. And there was a slightly comic element and that actor who plays Dexter that we've talked about a lot on the show. Of course can't remember his name. I went to his house once. That's right. And he was in that series that we loved. Remember when he had the accent? Yes, the British one. What t- something, Michael, Michael something. Michael C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. Ah, he is so good. Uh-huh. He is so good and great to watch. Yes. Okay. Also, John Lithgow was on Dexter. Right. Like, it was great. I didn't watch it out of any kind of... I didn't watch TV. I couldn't afford TV at the time. <laughs> and I had a desk job and I couldn't illegally download it to my work computer. That's the only reason I never watched it. If only there was some kind of a like a Russian hub you could have linked through. I tried. You, you, <laughs> I tried. I tried once and it was like a little bit um, like fucked up. And I was like, well, I can get through this with like a little bit of a fucked up screen. And then I was like, I have a headache now. So I just stopped trying. That was the last time I tried. Do you know that I couldn't remember my HBO Go password? So this last season of The Sopranos, I just bought it. And I told that to my friend Molly. (laughs) And she was like, you fucking idiot. It's for free. Because I was like, I just I just bought it. She's like, it's free. It's just sitting there. Yeah, I can't figure it out. Yeah. Solve your own problems. Can't. Like my therapist used to say, Kim, throw money at the problem. Yeah. That's what I did. Yeah. I just bought it. Yeah. Great. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, okay. Da, 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 da. Okay. So he, of course, if everyone who doesn't know Dexter Morgan, it's a TV show about a forensic blood spatter analyst by day and a serial killer by night. He fucking kills other serial killers, right? Yes. Great premise. We it, love it. Very satisfying. Very satisfying. It's like, finally, it's a good psychopath. Child molesters too? Everyone. Everybody. Great. And he, th- that's the whole arc of it was the all the different kinds of bad guys. And he worked in the police department. Love it. Yeah. So he watches all episodes probably a lot of episodes yeah i don't know how many there are in Years. four days whoa what yeah so he like does the fucking crazy person thing <sighs> he binged it wait am i a crazy person no, no, that's no. all i do <laughs> well no yes and no no because you don't then go well now i'm going to go kill people oh true right thank you so he creates a dexter morgan persona on his facebook page he pretends that he's dexter morgan he actually gets like kind of a following of fans and like communicates with them and he's he like posts a thing that's like uh you know mark twitchell is like way way too similar to fucking dexter morgan and like creepy shit like that where it's like calm down dude um (laughs) so so he's living on his investment money from the the movie he was going to make and then uh that movie is called he he creates this new movie called house of cards before before all of before house of cards it's the canadian house of cards so (laughs) he's 
It's the House of Cards, House eh? of Cards, yeah. <laughs> Cards. House of Cards. Uh, I'm stealing that from Vince and Jesse Pop and our friend from Canada who's so funny, uh, Casey Corbin. Yes. Okay. We just, I just got to meet. Yeah. And our really funny Toronto comedian. shows. Hilarious comedian in Canada. Okay. So it's an eight minute slasher fix flick that he makes about uh, cheating. He, so basically he's Dexter, but he's like, I'm going to change this slightly because I don't want to get sued. And it's, he's, he kills cheating husbands instead. Okay. He fucking makes fake profiles of women on these dating sites, finds and catches cheating husbands, kills them. Seems a bit extreme. Yeah. It's like just, to have a divorce. Yeah, exactly. Not, Dexter's uh, killing serial killers. Right. It's and a also, very good thing. This motherfucker cheats on his wife all the time. <laughs> yeah, what's that? So, like, let's not. Self-loathing. Let's not be a hypocrite. Can you not? But so he writes this bullshit fucking movie, um, and he, he taser, where the character tases and abducts these character, these people, uh, wearing a hockey mask. And he tapes them to a chair, gets their computer, like gets all their information, um, cleans out their bank account. And uh, he, and in the end, runs them through with a samurai sword and hacks up the body parts. Good God. Can I just say that Dexter never stole money from people right. from what I remember? Like That's, he had a job. There was no financial gain. It was all purely like, this is for the good of the people. Right. He also probably didn't own a samurai sword, which no. is like, <laughs> if you were dating a guy and you went over to his house and you had a fucking samurai sword. <laughs> I'd be like... Oh, I have to check my car really. Right. Do, do, do. Yeah. The last word wouldn't be on the sentence. No. If you own a samurai sword and an iguana, get get the fuck out of there. Or both. I'm not saying one or the other. Right. Iguana's Especially if the iguana's on your shoulder holding a samurai sword. And you have a goatee. <laughs> and the iguana has a goatee. <laughs> get out of there. We are making enemies left, right, and center on this episode. And I'm only two pages into this fucking story. Okay. All right, here we go. Uh, so shortly after he shot this fucking stupid movie in his garage, um, a dude named John, who goes by Johnny Altinger, has a date with a woman he met online. Mm. So we're cutting to over here. Okay. Johnny is tall and friendly. He's a 38-year-old oil-filled equipment engineer, whatever the fuck that means. He loves riding motorcycles, um, and he is really close to his friends. So he tells his friends, like, I'm going to meet this woman I met online on the website Plenty of Fish. Oh, the Christian dating website? Is that a Christian dating it website? It sure is. Great. He's like, I'm so excited to meet her. She seems super fucking cool. She won't give me her phone number. And one of his really smart friends was like, give me her address just in case. That seems sketchy. Yes, like, I this bet that was a woman. Yeah. This guy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. This guy has good friends. Um, so sh- so nice. he sends her the uh, directions to the a- and the address in Edmonton Southside where he's going to meet his date, Jen, to pick her up for a date. Okay. And Jen's like, just go through the dark garage to the back patio, which is like, we always say to women, don't go to someone's house to meet them meet them in a public place but like men you don't think about that you know right and i i think it's it's rare that anything like this would happen right but all of us should just be cautious for the first couple days slightly cautious just like let's let's meet on the sidewalk yeah let's make sure there's it's at least a two to three lane highway that we're near (laughs) and lots of public 
It's exposure. Of, like, I feel like a lot of, I wish I'd known earlier, like, you're not a bitch if you don't trust someone you've never fucking met before. Thank you. Let's shake on <laughs> Let's that shake one. Let's shake on that one. That's a handshake hand statement if I've ever heard yeah. one. You're not a bitch if you don't trust someone you've never met before. Right, or don't know very well. I right? mean, and I'm talking six, eight months in. Yes, no, trust must be earned uh-huh. by esteemable acts yes. and, and trustworthy acts. Exactly. If there have been none... Trust doesn't exist. Right. And you're not a fucking cunt because you're where you're don't let them gaslight you into thinking what an untrusting person you are when you have a- ample reason not to trust someone. And as an acting cunt, I would just like to tell the people that you're are afraid a, to like be one actress. Cunt. <laughs> I mean, I act like one oh. that come on over to this side because it's if someone accuses you of that, it's really not that bad. Right. Most of oh. the time, that just means that you're asserting yourself right. and not doing whatever another person wants you to do. Right. Which I don't recommend. I love it. I'm there with it. Yay. Um, so so Johnny, uh, after uh, he goes to meet this woman, and just after seven o'clock, he sends a message to his friends saying he's arrived at this date, and it's the last time anyone hears from Johnny. <sighs> Realist, really? Okay. Uh, it's Canadian Thanksgiving, which is a thing, in 2008, two days after Johnny had met with his date, Jen, when he misses a fucking much anticipated bike trip with like motorcycle bike trip with his friends and they're all like that's not like him at all he's super fucking punctual and reliable and then he, they get an email from john saying quote i met this extraordinary woman jen i'm going away with her to her summer home in costa rica i'll call you at christmas time in a month yeah okay well i'm assuming that that canadian thanksgiving is around the time of you american Thanksgiving. got to imagine it's not in like fucking august right i would hope yeah so okay. yeah so they get like if you got a message from your friends like goodbye don't contact me i'm going away no no so his friends and family of course like that's not fucking right and they start calling around they get word when he doesn't show up for work they call the police the police are like wait it out it's not a big deal his friends are like, you don't know Johnny. So they break into his apartment. Oh, good. Where they find his clothes, his suitcase, his passport, all of that shit. There's no signs that he left on a vacation. So the police are probably like, all right, let's fucking look into this. I love those friends. I know. I love that they broke into his apartment. That's that kind of thing, too, where it's just like, you go kick that door down. What, yeah. What's going to happen? They're going to arrest you. And if Johnny comes back from Costa Rica, you can be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dick? Yeah. I'm not paying for your fucking door. You need to call your friends and family. And if... But he would never do that because right. if he came back from Costa Rica and was like, you guys, he would have been like, you love me so much. I you know. kicked my door down to find that out. Be Get hysterical sometimes. Get in there. Do it. Kick down doors. This detective, Bill Clark, is assigned to, the, to Johnny's case. Johnny's been missing for nine days at this point. He follows the directions to the garage that, that he had given to his friend and um, contacts the person renting it. Our fucking aspiring filmmaker, Mark Twitchell, mm. who's been shooting a movie there. Twitchell's like great let's take a look he's like super into like everything's fine I'll show you around oh the lock's been picked I don't know what's going on like someone must have been in here I haven't been in here since the 10th they find a receipt inside from the 15th from Mark's fucking like he's he just is not good at murder he's not good and he thinks he's great he thinks he's really fucking smart and he's truly one of the worst you've like most incompetent fucking people <laughs> you've ever seen but he thinks he's smart so um he asks questions like he's concerned um and they don't consider him a suspect at all and they start questioning people around the neighborhood they find a couple who say that they saw and they witnessed an attack a couple weeks back 
They say uh, they that someone came out of a garage, running out of a garage and uh, trying to get help. And they freaked out and ran and someone was like chasing him. And they're like, it happened this time. But it, but the cops are like, that's weird. It happened a week before Johnny's date. So what the fuck are they talking oh, about? No. Mm-hmm. So they go public with hopes of finding info. And that's when this dude fucking uh, Giles Jill Tetro. So this dude is a 33-year-old contractor. Um, he had been separated from his wife. He had joined Plenty of Fish at that time. And he has a fucking story to tell that he hadn't come forward with. <sighs> so Friday, October 3rd, a week before Johnny had gone on his date, he goes to Edmondson Southside to meet a woman he had been chatting with on Plenty of Fish. Sheena is an attractive woman, seems really anxious to meet him. She's smart. She's articulate. They had been flirting. She suggests dinner in a movie and they're going to go meet up at her house. A few minutes past seven o'clock, he arrives, parks outside an open garage, goes into the garage. It's too dark to see when someone starts attacking him and fucking uses a stun gun on ugh, him. Ugh. He uh, gets shocked and he turns to see a man towering over him with a hockey mask on. Oh, my God. The guy in the mask pulls out a gun and points it at him. And uh, so this Tetro... Uh, is like, oh, shit, this isn't my date. And he forgot to tell anyone where he was going to be. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm dead. The masked man pushes him to the ground, covers his eyes with duct tape, and Tetro rips the duct tape from his eyes and jumps to his feet. And later he says, quote, I decided I better fight back. I'd rather uh, I'd rather die my way than his way. Yes. And spoiler alert, I know this because he later writes a book called The One Who Got Away. Mm. (laughs) Escape from the Kill Room. Whoa. Yeah. So this guy, uh, he reaches to wrestle the gun out of this dude's hand. He fucking finds, he, like, when he touches it, he realizes it's a plastic fucking fake gun. Oh. And they start fucking brawling. And uh, Tetro drops to the ground, fucking Indiana Jones rolls out under the garage door. Yes. Fucking gets out onto the street. Throw me the idol. I'll throw you the whip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he tries to run when he gets out there, but his legs aren't working because of the fucking stun gun. <sighs> He's crawling down the unpaved gravel driveway and fucking Mark Twitchell comes after him, grabs his fucking legs and starts pulling him into the garage. It's Saw. It's the movie Saw. Yeah. Tetro looks up and sees a fucking couple out for a walk. And he's like, oh, my God, fucking help me. I'm getting robbed. The couple freezes because they see this dude with duct tape and like getting fucking dragged. And the person who's dragging them has a hockey mask oh, on. Dude. Like, what would you do? Yeah. You'd be like, what the fuck is this shit? I would run toward that hockey mask. <laughs> fingers out. Let me help you. Yeah. Right. No, they freaked out and they they ran away. Um, but but the but Mark had run away at that moment too so they call 911 the cops get there and by the time they're there everyone's gone okay but but fucking uh, Tetro was able to escape and he doesn't come forward because he's afraid of being followed and attacked he thinks the person must know who he is yeah he does know who he is he has all his information from that dating right website. and he can't track him down on plenty of fish he's like this is fucked up and scary which yes. sucks because we had come forward maybe something but it makes perfect sense. It's like you basically went then through the most traumatic thing that's yes. ever happened to you. You feel like a stupid fucking idiot probably a little bit. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot, a lot involved there. Yeah. But then he comes forward. A- when after he finds out one. about this. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, days after Mark Twitchell's first interview, he comes back to the station and is like, oh, by the way, I meant to tell you guys this. I actually bought a new car from a dude who was selling his car on the street. It happens to be a Mazda hatchback, which is the same car that Johnny fucking drove. Oh. So he's like, it was so weird. Um, this guy was selling his car on the street because he was, he had met a really rich lady who was going to buy him a new car when they got back from their vacation in Costa Rica. Like just trying to fucking, like overdoing his bullshit. Yeah. When, and which is what liars do. Yes. Saying he bought the car for $40. Uh, and that's, yeah. Yeah. So it's obviously stupid. Of course the cops are like, oh shit, this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah. But they don't have any hard evidence on him. So, uh, they, he denies having anything to do with it. And, uh, but obviously he becomes their prime suspect. They get warrants to search his car and home and sees, um, a bunch of fucking dumb movie props and personal effects. It's October 27th. They find a computer with a deleted file in his trash bin. Uh-uh. So he didn't empty his trash, but also like you can't just throw incriminating evidence into your fucking computer trash can and no. expect it to go away. Especially if you don't empty that trash. That's right. It's not how it works. Empty the trash. Just kind of make it hard. Cops like are bored probably. And they're like, just don't make this so easy for us. Yeah, exactly. So the opening, so <laughs> the file is called SK Confessions. SK stands for serial killer. Oh, bro. So this fucking stupid yeah. idiot, uh, the opening line reads, this story is based on true events. The names and events were altered slightly to protect the guilty. This is a story of my progression into becoming a serial killer. So he fucking details everything he does with slight variations and says it's a fucking script. Wow. He's so stupid. The 40-page document includes diary-like entries that detail his crimes. uh, And when uh, Tetron reads the account of his attack through his words, he's like, it's reliving the event. That's exactly what happened to me. Wow. Um, And there's a gruesome step-by-step of how the murder happened on October 10th of Johnny. Um, it's a, so it's a cold blooded attack with a pipe and is followed by graphic details of dismemberment and where he hid the remains. Oh no. So he says exactly what he does coldly in his quote unquote script. Script. Yeah. Um, and they also realized that Mark Twitchell had fucking broken in to Johnny's apartment and fucking used his email, had gotten his fucking password and used his email to to send people messages that he was fine. But like how creepy that was in his apartment. Yeah, that's sinister. Um, So now Mark Twitchell, now 33, is arrested on Halloween of 2008 for the murder of Johnny um, Altinger and police confiscate knives, saws, and a cleaver that are stained with Johnny's blood. And they discover his deleted confession, but they still don't have a body. Fucking Mark Twitchell refuses to cooperate. And there's video of the, there's video of him in the backseat of a fucking squad car being driven around for hours while the cops try to get him to talk. And he's just quiet and stone faced like a real video. It's so creepy. Um, nine months later, though, he uh, gives police a map marking the location of the body, which was in a sewer drain. Uh. It's so sad. So. March 2011, March Tritchell goes to trial for first degree murder. Um, and he takes the stand. He admits that he lured uh, Tetro and Johnny to his garage, but he wasn't planning on hurting them. He says he attacked the men as a prank to get publicity for the movie that he was making. 
and uh, he assumed that they would talk about their attacks and it would help promote his film. And he said it got it went wrong when John got angry about the prank and started attacking March. He said, Mark, he said it was fucking self-defense bullshit. Yeah. Um, Clearly, because then after the fact, you're sending people emails right. and you have all kinds of plans and schemes. And you write it as if it's true. Yeah. He also claims that his writings aren't about the murder at all, but they're that SK doesn't stand for serial killer, but Stephen King, whatever. Aww. He describes himself as a psychopath with little ability to feel empathy, but he's never diagnosed with any mental condition. Of course, in the end, the fucking jury deliberates for five hours before finding him guilty of first degree murder. Oh, good. He's sentenced to life in prison and is currently serving that without the possibility of parole for 25 years in Saskatchewan uh, and penitentiary. So then in an, I was doing some research and in an ironic twist, fucking Johnny Altinger, uh, the victim, he was also a bit of a nerd himself. He had been obsessed with computers since he was a kid and he got his first Commodore 64. Mm. It's like he was a fucking total computer nerd too and was like obsessed with this stuff. The only difference was he was in a fucking psychopath asshole. So this was like the good guy. Um, he used his computer skills in the 90s to play text-based fantasy role-playing games like Legend of the Red Dragon using his dial-up modem. Mm-hmm. And he even had the alias... Uh, Ultra Magnus, which is a character from Transformers as well. So there's this weird similarity between the two. Right. Except he wasn't a fucking piece of shit. Um, Johnny's friends and family describe him as quiet, affectionate, and giving at, at his, uh, you know, funeral? at the funeral. But nobody said the same thing about Mark Twitchell in court. And that's the fucking story of the Dexter copycat killer. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I've seen, I've seen the, uh, whatever American justice version yes. of that. Yes. And it's so disturbing. Like that idea that you're arriving somewhere thinking you're starting a date, uh, like, uh, the most pure reason, like date night energy. Yeah. And you get attacked by somebody in a fucking hockey mask. And this guy was 40. He was like really wanting to settle down. He wanted uh, love and he met this. Med- it was just like the most pure reason. Yeah. And that happens. It's it's heartbreaking and awful. It's horrible. Yeah. Man. Yeah, that was good. That's fucked up. So, uh... What? You hear that? Rain? Whoa. Or roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So, fucking... Yeah. Uh, hooray. Right. It's fucking hooray it's time. fucking hooray time because of awfulness. Uh, do you want me to go first? Sure. Um... I I'm pretty sure I've told you this, but I have, um, like in the last, I'd say month or two, I can't remember when, start, I upped my therapy to twice a week. Yeah. And did I talk about this already? No. Okay. You've you. mentioned it, but you haven't. Right. It yeah. hasn't been like my, I haven't repeated. I'm not doing repeat I fucking hoorays. Who gives a shit? My normal therapy session, it would always end and feel like it just started yeah. and I was like mid sob and going, oh, yeah. okay, bye. And I hate that feeling. And after a while, my therapist, Michelle, was just like, do you want to add another day so we don't feel so constricted yeah. by this? Cause it's just 50 minutes. It's 50 minutes. It goes by quick and you can see your fucking therapist glancing at their, their, <sighs> that what they think is their hidden fucking clock. Yeah. Yes. Which is not, we see your eyes. Yes. And there's kind of no, to me, no worse feeling in the world than I'm, when I'm mid rant and my therapist sits forward in her chair just a tiny bit. Cause she gives me all these indications yes. like time is running out. Well, now they do this thing that's new where they fucking, they, they're listening to you and then they take their fucking, what's the card swipe machine and they put it in their phone. Oh, no. oh mine does that. No. no. Oh, that no, is no. like, they're continuing to talk about whatever you're just talking about and then they plug in their fucking chip reader. That's hilarious. That's like in comedy clubs when they start dropping the checks while you're 
right. in the final 20 oh, minutes of your Jesus act. Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. It's a bad feeling. Okay. So basically she said, she was suggested an, another day and I was like, a yes, that's a great idea. So I go two days a week, one right after the other. And so anything we talk about on Tuesday, we follow up with on Wednesday. And there's something about it. It's helping me so much in terms, because like I will say something and then she'll go, no, actually, and, and basically be able to be real time, mm-hmm. uh, kind of course correcting me in my thought process. So like, I already talked about like when she was like, write down five things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a meta version of that where she's like, I know what you mean, but actually you've told me right. this in the past and this is really what's going on. So and frustrating when you do that to yourself. I know where she, you know, because there's, you know, the more uh, stress or the like the feelings that we deal with these days mm-hmm. that are that it, everything feels big and there feels like a lot of threat or what if we stakes. lose? Yes, the stakes are very high. She comes in and goes, I just would like to remind you very quickly. They're yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it really is like a centering, grounding feeling. And I just like for people who are like, I don't even I'm too scared to go to therapy. Just please know there's some of us that are fucking doing it every day. <laughs> If she goes, we need to start doing three days a week, I would do it. Yeah. Because it really is just like being able to vent and have someone go, okay, but could you also look at it like this? Right. Uh, I mean, we've talked about therapy so much on this show, but it's so important. It helps. It helps so much. I just feel like I can feel real, the real effects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like you and I used to go to our dude and an hour would be up and you and I hadn't stopped yelling at each other. <laughs> so we started, he started being like, uh, I don't have a next, he like, I think he purposely wouldn't schedule a section, a session after us because right. like, I have another hour if you guys can stay. So we were having two hour fucking sessions, yes. which is the only way to fucking solve anything. Yes. And if you're in a place where like it takes time yeah. to unravel bad dude things yes it, you habits have to give yourself time memories mental states fucking learned behaviors and you have to you have to be taught how to look at things like you always look at things the way you look at them because you're doing it for a reason you yeah. have your reasons you have your self protections you have you it's know, shit that worked you for a long fucking time. It, and she says yourself. that all the time. It got you where you right. are today. Right. Cause I'm always in there going, I don't know why I do this and that. And it's like, you got, you got yourself where right. you are today with these things that you're now saying are the worst things about you. Right. And that it's like, it's just so helpful. Or you think are still going to work when really your circumstances have completely changed. So it's because you it's can't a defense mechanism that you don't need anymore. That's right. But that it doesn't work real time because your body takes forever to follow. Right. And if you are in a state of threat and if you are, have no support and nothing, then you can't just go, Oh, everything's different. Yeah. Great. And you can't expect no. yourself to do that either. No. So, you know, everybody that's trying or attempting or whatever, just fucking <laughs> year 14 of therapy. It's yeah. like, I'm just starting to feel like things really breaking up in a meaningful way. I love it. It's nice. Mine is, my fucking hooray is that yesterday or this week, whatever, uh, it's mine and Vince's three year wedding anniversary. Are you serious? Yeah. Did did you guys get married right when we started this podcast? Pretty much. <laughs> I think you were like a last minute add on to the invite list because I was like, well, we're friends now. I definitely was because yeah. I remember you going, look at my ring. That's like that right. happened like when we were recording. And you ca- no, you called me. You were like one of the first people. Really? Yeah. Honey. <laughs> um. Yeah. Three fucking years. Congratulations. Which as thank you, someone who 
never believed in marriage and like was always scared of marriage because it means that this is how you fall apart from each other. Sure. And, but knowing somewhere deep down that I did want the option to get married or hoping to find someone that I liked enough to marry and being three years in and Vince was like, we're even more in love. And it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Like I didn't know that that would happen. That you'd like each other even more. I always, I always figured relationships were a steady decline. Sure. And I'd have a series of three to five year relationships for the rest of my fucking life. And that's how it would be. Yeah. And I'd have to go to a lot of improv shows. (laughs) (laughs) But meeting Vince. That's why you got to date a stand up. That's right. It's proven otherwise. (laughs) And I just want to say that we went to Musso and Frank's for dinner with my mom and basically my stepdad, John, last night to celebrate our anniversary, which is so nerdy. It was really fun. (laughs) I bet. And they gave us a card, an anniversary card, card. the last minute anniversary card. I think it was a marriage card, not an anniversary card. Okay. And it just said whatever it said on it. She signed her name and and John's and then wrote on the other side, gift to come. That's what I wrote down that I wanted gift to come. <laughs> That's what I wanted to Give tell me you. time to think about it. Yeah. Well, so maybe I'll save that one because it's hilarious. What the gift will be? Uh, no, that card. Oh, That's definitely just so, save that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I was just going to say, as a person who is forced to be with you in your relationship <laughs> a lot of the time. You're there. Um, you have a beautiful relationship that makes me happy to see. And the way you guys talk to each other and talk with each other, like so much communication. But then on top of that, it's like y- y- the way you guys chat with each other. You like, you talk about stuff that's like, it's not like, here's my interest or here's your interest or whatever. You're just great conversationalists and kind of just great communicators. Thank you. It's really lovely. And I also really love because this is what my parents used to do and they were married for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. When in the car, my mom used to just always put her hand over and put her hand on my dad's neck as Aww. he drove. And I watch you do that with Vince all the time where you just kind to get in and just like go and put your hand on his leg or whatever and it's just a lovely yeah you guys are doing it right thank you i i'm amazed that i that this happened that i met that we have each other you're very lucky and guess what everyone we go to therapy too yes yes because because you have to have to because it's important yeah and we're still great yeah even without it but it's great yeah um thank you that means a lot to me that other people notice that too because i fucking i'm amazed i love yeah. it happy anniversary thank you yeah uh thanks for listening you know follow things and do this and that yeah we have all these we plug things and we promote things but exactly guys, right we have all these podcasts oh we, on we, our and, network and we have a podcast coming that we oh, can't wait to tell you about we have an announcement coming it's gonna blow your fucking socks off and uh maybe you've already heard of it we don't know but we get to tell you soon <laughs> yeah. and we're so excited we've been waiting for fucking ever to tell you and we can't wait but um the Exactly Right Network is like we our next slate of shows that we are going to premiere soon. We're so excited about yeah. them. We have amazing talent, really good podcasts. And so, you know, stick around for that because um, exactly right. But but I was going to say also we promote stuff on here all the time and talk about stuff. And you guys are so responsive as listeners and, and so supportive mm-hmm. of everything we do. It sounds hokey, but honestly, thank you so much. Yeah, we feel like we have a million like sisters or like close cousins supporting us. Yes, and we feel like we know you guys. Yeah, all. it's we're really we're really grateful. We're really grateful. So yeah. thank you so much, and thank stay you. sexy, and don't get murdered. Goodbye, Goodbye. Elvis. You want a cookie? Ah.